Bring it in. Read Option Podcast here with you. Recording Thursday. Got your Friday episode getting ready, locked and loaded for the weekend. Got the full crew here. Scotty has uh, has has toughened up enough. He's ready, or maybe he's not ready, but he's he's here anyway to at least talk about what happened on Sunday. We have Vito in here. Going to have a nice, quick pod for y'all. We're going to hit a little Super Bowl cleanup stuff, and then uh, we're going to get some some previews slash predictions for what we're expecting this off season. In the NFL, obviously, we're going to have a bunch of other sports coverage going on. I got uh, Riviera going on behind me, the golf tournament. Tiger Woods out on the on the course right now, making his debut this season. Looks nice. But uh, between college basketball, the NBA, of course, we have uh, an additional. We've got the Masters not too far down the road. we got some fun stuff coming up. It's not going to be the week-to-week NFL schedule that we all know and love, but Still plenty of stuff for us to get into and uh, and talk about, which I'm I'm very excited about. So, uh, boys, how uh, how are we doing here? Everyone doing all right? Scotty's not, but yeah, Scotty's shaking his head now. Um, I'm I'm doing all right. You know, just um, I think a lot of listeners know, uh, might know, maybe not. That we've been doing this for a while, but uh, I'm obviously flying back and forth a lot to Cleveland and and live in Philly and stuff. But the Cleveland job we've topped out with steel and everything like that so wow. not to do with you know sports necessarily but uh we're we're at the point um i when we started this pod i was still living in philly moved here better for three years it's crazy how fast this is gone we talked about our anniversary pod 250s coming up like we spent some time together so it's it's kind of wild to see like this is uh not ending but um out here in cleveland my time here just it was one of those moments where you're like, damn, we've been doing this a while. The pod, right, coming up. The work's been going. Like, uh, we hit some milestones. So, good you know to crazy? see. But, uh, yeah. I just realized we totally, totally forgot our three-year anniversary. <laughs> our yeah, three- it's this yeah. week. Last week? No, it was it, our, the first pod I think we ever did was the divisional round oh, in 2021. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm like I'm just realizing this now. I let me go back. I'll go back real quick and find the exact actual, actual like first date. Um, but yeah, we just realized that right now. We totally skipped over our uh, our. <laughs> wow, how about that? Um, but yeah, so needless to say, yeah, we've been doing it for a while. Um, and now there's a whole building that's gone up since the first mm-hmm. time that you've done it, which is which is crazy to think about uh scotty how how are you holding up though all, all things considered i know it's i know it's been tough i know it hasn't been ideal um uh, we're the people are, are clamoring I, I got several texts that were were that were sad that you weren't on the pod but i think people can understand um uh, you know that's a that's a tough loss as a fan um but how are you coping this week as we're a few days now removed from the super who cares <laughs> doesn't matter Sports don't matter. Yes, they the man's do. already predicted everything. No, it's done. The man's already predicted everything, and it hasn't fallen my way for the last three times the Niners have been in the Super Bowl. So I could have spent my time for 24 weeks learning a hobby or spending more time with my family and 
making myself a better person. Instead, I sit there seven hours a day for 18, 24 weeks almost and end up getting my heart and soul ripped from my corporeal form by the frog man and his uh, sidekick, the incredible douche who gets to assault his coach on the sideline in a game and then uh, kiss the uh, the biggest celebrity in the world after. Um, and, you know, he can be a total fuck up and, and, and it's, be whatever and, and you still get rewarded. So good for them, I guess. Nothing matters. And, and that's the that's the point. I, I like whether the Niners had won this game or not, there's a million other things in the world that uh that need attention. And so whatever. Sports are stupid. I I gotta say I, I do love that that spin zone of just, you know, there's so many bigger things in the world. What are we talking about? You know? There's something going I mean, there on are. in the Like, Middle I just East, wasted right? time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a whole thing. People are actually literally dying, like children in Palestine. So, I don't know. Whatever. Could have spent more time focusing on something to help that. But instead, I watched this stupid football game. I'm not, I'm not laughing at you, Scotty. I promise. That's cool. No, it's, it's definitely one of those. Uh, it's tough, dude. After your team does this, like, there are multiple reactions we all have, right? No one's a saying yeah. anger. Fuck this. Uh, none of this matter. I'm not even a fan next year. And then by the time August comes, all of us are like, I last year. What's I the remember, point? I'm like, going to do this again. I, I, I think, I think the Eagles can win again. Uh, that's that was my genuine thought yeah. last year. And then no, you're, like, you're, you're going to get sucked in anymore. again, Scotty. Yes, you are. No, I yes, don't. you yeah, are. I, I give zero shits because even if they win, it's great. Then I'm going to go back and care again next year and then get my heart and soul ripped out again or risk that at least. No, fuck that. I'm done. This is this is this whole entire back and forth Scotty's having sounds like, you know, when when maybe you guys like that moment when you get dumped and you're just like, I'm not ever doing this again. I'm not trying relationships. I'm not going to date anybody. It's not worth it. That is the exact reaction that I see, Scotty. It's why do I do this? Well, you know, what? I'm just going to I'm going to go buy 10 dogs and move out to Montana and live on a ranch with my 10 dogs. That sounds incredible. I don't need actually. any ladies. <laughs> I don't need any. I don't need a partner. Well, I could, uh, give me, just give me dogs and a ranch. I'm going to, I'm going to be Kevin Costner yeah. in Yellowstone for the rest of my life. Oh man. Scotty in, in a month from now is going to be like, yeah, but I don't know. I'm getting kind of hyped about the draft. It's going to come. Somebody the other day was like, oh, don't worry, buddy. Pitchers and catchers report today. I was like, oh, great. Another opportunity for me to get my dick kicked in by the Giants who are terrible. Fantastic. It's Let about, me just waste another seven months on that bullshit. It's about the ride, Scotty. You know that as well as I do. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember the things you were telling me, you know, after the Super Bowl last year. You know, like all things considered, it was an unbelievable run. It was great. great. The team was awesome. Played a great like season. the best team ever, and then have be like crap next year. But you know what? Like that's 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 what the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what this run is. That's that's why we get addicted to sports, right? And the thing is, is you can say like, "Oh, we'll win. I'll be happy," and then I'll just get my dick kick, kicked in another year. When when you win, when you get it, and you know this, you've been a Warriors fan. For the last for your entire life in this whole run, you've seen the Giants pull off three World Series in six years. Like, it's the best. It's the best feeling. The high, literally, and I don't mean this hyperbolic whatsoever. If I were to rank the greatest moments of my life, family excluded, you know, like the day my sister got married, 
the day, you know, my dad got to retire, like those really big life moments with your family. The number one best moment of my life wasn't the day that I got my job. It wasn't, you know, the day that I graduated college. It was the day the Eagles won the fucking Super Bowl. That was the yeah, greatest moment of my life. That's fine. I'm and just it will saying, always get the, mean that. And get the drug out come. of my system. It'll no, come. Just no, I don't want it. Just yes, get the do. drug out of my system. And <laughs> and like I'm mad at myself that I, I've made this such a pillar of my life that I'm this mad about losing a football game that I had no control over. So just get the drug out of my system, detox me, and leave me the fuck alone. Well, you'll get a detox for the next like seven months or so, how's, and then you'll how's be back. doing? Yeah, same shit. By the way, are they? I thought they were doing well earlier. <laughs> no, nah, they're the they're like two points outside of the top four. That's not bad. There we go. Yeah. What I'm saying we'll is, see. right when when football Long stops, season. football <laughs> starts. Well, yeah, continues. It's halfway yeah. done. Yeah. So so let's just focus on that on that uh, European soccer. Penn State's going to be in the college football playoff next year. Oh oh, go oh, goody! Dude, yeah. The twelve so teams. The, no, that 12 is. Teams? I'm genuinely Number stoked for that. Anything 11. can happen. A home game. Yeah. Imagine. Picture this, Scotty. A home college football playoff game, whiteout, Happy Valley. It's like seventeen degrees. Get a fresh snowfall on the field. You're going to be so in. It's not even funny, as you should, because that's what yeah, being a sports be fan is all about. Until we have to travel to Austin or, or Columbus or Ann Arbor for the second round the next week. Man, you worry about that when we get there. Light, light, the best microcosm of life really is being a sports fan. Hmm. like, And not just being a sports fan, but sports in general. Right. Every it's it's the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys. You you go through it all. And even in, in the done. biggest moments, you have disappointment that it'll take that one, man. And then you'll have it for the rest of your life, man. Flags done. Do flags what you want. Fly forever. The plug. Banners hang forever. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And you're going to get sucked back in. But at the same time. I totally understand the disappointment. I was there a year ago. Um, Vito, should we ask Scott the same question you asked me at the beginning of last pod? Or is it is it too soon? Oh, Vito, Vito, I don't know if he's oh, did Vito freeze? Yeah, it oh, looks wow. like it. I think are you helped. asking whether gone. it's it's better to get like blown out or lose the way we did? No, that was an interesting question. No, but he he asked me if you could take back or if you could flip one of the Super Bowls that your team lost to a win, like which one would it be? Which one was the one this that you one. wanted the most? This one. This one. Yeah, I said I said last year too over over two thousand and four. Now part of that's too probably because you had the twenty twelve Super Bowl and then you had the one in twenty nineteen. But the good news is is that the Niners are still a really really fucking good football team. They're still the favorites to win next year. You still have Brock. Have you still cap room. Well. The important thing is you have a quarterback who's under contract for the next two more years, making like $12 an hour. And that's going to free up a ton of cap room for you guys, you know? Well, at least and the thing is the cap space thing is always a little over overrated, but you have good young rookies at important spots. You'll be able to do some magic, work some magic and, and good things will come. But the disappointment of course is, is more than more than valid. Um, Couple of things cleanup wise. I was listening back to me and Vito's pod on on Tuesday. 
Uh, I had mentioned it in passing, but we didn't really get into it. And I wanted to make sure we kind of came back around and, and really talked about it was the, um, the Dre Greenlaw injury. Um, it was probably the most impactful thing that happened in the entire game. Um, obviously like an Achilles tear on the sidelines like that, just so, so random. And, and sometimes like you hear those, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, like non, you know, his knee injury was famous. It was non-contact and yet everything in his knee basically just exploded, you know, at the same time. And like, you'll see these moments. And I was actually at the Super Bowl, um, one of the, at the party that I was at, one of the people there is an athletic trainer for um, a high school. And, you know, she was talking about like, Hey, technically all Achilles and ACL injuries are died are, are considered non-contact injuries. Now you can tear your ACL obviously through contact, but the majority of times that they happen for, you know, your everyday Joe, it's a non-contact injury where your knee just buckles in a weird way or you slip on something and it tears. Same thing with the Achilles, right? You run up the steps a little weird, you roll your ankle a little bit weird, and then it just kind of goes one day. Um, for athletes, you don't expect it to be that random. But with the Achilles thing, we've seen it a bunch over the last few years. You think back to Kevin Durant, right, in the uh, in the 2019 NBA Finals. Uh, Eric. Yeah, and Clay as well. Um, you think about uh because Clay's was ACL in that game, right? But then he overworked the AC the other leg coming back and then popped the Achilles that's, training. That's right. Yeah, you're yeah. correct. Um and then uh you know, Aaron Rodgers. Two this, this year. year, yeah. And yeah, Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins as well. I mean, Aaron Rodgers on that step, like and we get the the high speed zoom in you know, super clear picture where you can actually see it snap up the leg. Um, it just, yeah, no it, it, it obviously sucks. Like any major injury like that, that late in the season is just fucking brutal. Um, but I think when you talk about the impact it had on the game, it did feel like there was a lot more that Mahomes had, particularly over the middle, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw were both doing such incredible jobs, both stopping the run um, which they did, you know, even after Greenlaw went out, but particularly in in man coverage and those crossing routes, the short stuff over the middle of the field, that that stuff that really was like in in the fourth quarter, you know, and, and that overtime drive too. I think there was a quarter in in the fourth quarter when uh, MVS caught the ball and then he got he had forward progress and then went all the way backwards and they lost like six yards. Yeah. Um, the next play, they went over the middle to Kelsey and got the third and six. And then after that, they ran a crossing route with Rasheed Rice, who caught it right in front of where Dre Greenlaw would have been, and he escapes out the outside for a big pickup. And that ended up being a huge play on that drive because they end up going down scoring, uh, and I believe either forcing overtime or that was the one that that kind of kept it tied. Um, either way, like th- that impact, again, they did a really good job in the running game. Uh, who was the backup linebacker who came in? Was it Burns or what was his name? No, um, Finnegan Smith or something. Yeah, yeah. I think um, him, he, he, whoever the guy who filled in, and, and forgive me for not remembering the name, um, did a really good job against the run for Kansas City. Uh, Vito's back now, attaboy. Um, but losing Dre Greenlaw in in the receiving game was, I think, the one of the biggest factors because Fred Warner was still able to help shut down one half of the middle of the field. But as soon as they were able to start attacking that middle of the field and they had to start using Fred Warner different, he had to pick up responsibilities that Greenlaw had. And 
it just ultimately started to kind of steamroll. And that was definitely a big reason why the offense felt like it was able to get going a little bit there, you know, post Greenlaw going out. Um, that was just kind of something we hadn't really touched on. Uh, we forgot to touch on in, on, on Tuesday's pod. Um, Vito, did you pick <laughs> now up? No, we don't it? have him for a year. Like, perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's a chance, you know, with the Achilles injury, you know, if he gets like the Rogers surgery, you know, Greenlaw comes back, you know, eight months and is ready for a playoff run. Um, I still think even without Greenlaw, that team is still super talented. You know, I mean, you think about what they did to the Not Eagles in the second half without <laughs> after he got ejected, like they're they're still going to be able to beat the piss out of whoever they line up against. Um, and the encouraging the thing, too, is that 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 defensive front was so dominant in that game. And you still have all those guys under uh, under contract. Like you're, they're not going to pay Chase Young, nor should uh, they. Yeah. Chase and Randy Gregory are both free agents. Um, and that's fine. Like, you're cool with leaving those guys. The core of that D-line is Eric Armstead, Bosa, and Javon Hardgrave. And those guys are under contract, which is what you need. Um, they're going to go out and, and look, and this Kinlaw, is like Kinlaw too is another one that's and Kinlaw, agent, but yeah. um, who I loved out of South Carolina. He's been somewhat disappointing as a, as a Sorry, pro. Didn't mean to cut you off. I was just racking through the free agents on the D line. No, you're good. I mean, honestly though, those are three opportunities where like thinking about where the Niners are going to be drafting. Like those are prime opportunities to go pick up guys. Like George Carl was the 31st, 32nd overall pick in the first round, you know, Trent McDuffie, was a like 28th, 29th overall that year that the Chiefs had two picks in the back of the first round. Um, that's where teams like San Francisco who have gone all in, Kansas City, Philly, you know, those are the hit picks you need to hit on. And like, I loved what the Eagles did drafting Nolan Smith. They just didn't fucking use him last year. And I hope that this year they with Vic Fangio, they kind of cut him loose a little bit. And then that could end up being a big piece for him. But I, I think there's there's opportunity there in a draft that also has some pretty good DN talent where you'll be able to add some pieces there in the back half of the first round, especially as we get into more nuts and bolts of the draft. But this is probably going to be a draft where we see five quarterbacks go in the first round at least. Yeah, there's um, going to be players out there for those that don't need a quarterback. And there's also going to be probably an additional five to six wide receivers drafted in the first round. So – this is one of those drafts where you're going to see offensive linemen, defensive linemen start to drop. And those are the drafts where like, you know, if you're a, a team like I almost said Pittsburgh, but they, they're pretty good at wide receiver right now. Um, I'm trying to think even like a team like green Bay, right. Who's like kind of back into the first round, they could use another really, really good pass rusher. But if they have a guy, you know, a wide Detroit. receiver drops, you know, yeah, Detroit, like there's going to be guys where teams that like have openings at wide receiver who go for the splashy pick over drafting a team of need or a position of, uh, of need. Um, and I, th- I think that's kind of where teams like Kansas city and, and San Francisco can really start to like pull in some elite level talent. Cause this is a loaded draft class. It's not just the quarterbacks. It's not just the wide receivers. Um, there's talent across the board. Uh, losing Greenlaw again for the majority of next season is going to hurt, but it's not something I'm worried about. Uh, I am curious, though, Scotty, because there was a bit of news that broke yesterday. Steve Wilkes was kind of scape. In my opinion, I thought he was scapegoated here. Uh, I thought he yeah. did a phenomenal job as defensive coordinator. He held Patrick Mahomes to 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 twenty five points in a, and that's including overtime in the Super Bowl. Um, which if you if I told you that you know like hey before the season starts, Scotty, you're gonna play ball uh, uh, Kansas City or even the week before the Super Bowl. 
hey, you're going to play and Kansas City in the Super Bowl and you're going to hold them to 25 points. You could have told me that on Sunday morning and I would have said, we're, we're winning that fucking game. Like, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I didn't understand it when I saw that yesterday, Steve Wilkes getting fired um, for two reasons. One, I don't think he did a terrible job. It was like usually those guys come in, uh, particularly guys like Steve who's been around the NFL and are like, nope, this is my system and we're going to implement it. What Steve Wilkes did a good job of is like, oh, I have come into this situation on the 49ers defense, which has been elite for a long time. And here is my personnel. Let me fix my scheme around them and not implement my scheme upon them, um, which I thought was really, uh, really smart um, coming in, knowing that you have Bosa and Armstead and Hargrave who signed. Uh, and, and then obviously in the second level with, uh, with Warner and Greenlaw and then Traverius Ward being the anchor on the back, like, he could have easily been like, no, we're going to run like more zone force blitzes. Uh, and he was like, no, we're not doing any of that. Like we're going to stick with what you guys are good at. So uh, like, that's pretty rare. I think uh, in the NFL again, particularly with guys who, who are, have been in the league for a long time. Um, and number two is like for the sake of continuity, like how many defensive coordinators have we gone through in the last four years? Because yeah. each of them are getting hired, you know. It's been Salah, it's been it's been D'amico, and now we're and, and not Steve to mention all year. of all of the assistants. Like Salah brought exactly. assistants yeah. to come in and run his defense in, mm -hmm. in New York. D'Amico Ryan's brought assistants on offense and defense to come with him to Houston. And now you have a guy with with head coaching experience, a guy who's been a very good you know coordinator in this league, and Steve Wilkes, who again, and that's such a good point you made, Scott. Like, it could have been so easy for him to want to control the game the way that he wanted to. I mean, they held them to, like, barely 100 rushing yards. And, yeah, Mahomes threw for 330 or whatever. But, like, they controlled that game defensively because the Chiefs' defense was going toe-to-toe -to -toe for them. I, to me, if you look at what Steve Wilkes did coaching versus what Shanahan did coaching on the for the offense, which one made more mistakes throughout that game? It was Shanahan. So, unless there's Don't issues. Don't abandon the run. Oh, between goodness. the two of them. I don't know like which one you say yeah. now right. and, and Vito and I, I want your thoughts on this too. Cause Vito and I talked about this on, on Tuesday's pod um, about the whole abandoning the run thing. Cause I think one of the reasons and, and looking back through the game log, there was that the, the two drives in the third quarter where they went eight of nine plays were pass plays, <laughs> but also the context around those was a little different, right? Where there was a couple of penalties. I think there was a false start or two that were mixed in there. Um, uh, Trent of all yeah. people. <laughs> there was a, a play where they ran the ball on first down and it got blown up and it was like second and 11, but it felt like San Francisco and, and San Francisco's defense did a good job of doing the same thing to Kansas city. But it felt like in particular in the second half that San Francisco was in a position where they were working more with what they had to like given field position and given, you know, down in distance that they weren't particularly set on like, Hey, they weren't in advantageous spots to run the football. They weren't in but, a lot of like, hey, it's second and five. Let's hand the ball to McCaffrey, get us a good third and one, and then we can run it, you know? The only pushback I would have, because you have McCaffrey, the only pushback I would have is like, yeah, maybe it's second and 11, but McCaffrey is running for five yards a pop right now. So like, let's get us a third manageable instead of being behind the sticks again on yeah. third down. Um, like that, that to me didn't make sense. Um, Kansas City I also just, did a really good job of bottling up McCaffrey. I mean, it wasn't until the the overtime. I mean, I shared this story. I the only bet that I only put in a couple of bets, but the the one bet that I had that hit 
was the the difference between McCaffrey rushing yards and and Pacheco rushing yards. And I had Pacheco at plus 21 and a half. And I checked in on the yardage at the early of uh, early in the um in the fourth quarter and Pacheco had more rushing yards than McCaffrey. But that overtime run where he he put, picked up an additional like 25 yards on the ground really kind of like got it close now. It was at 21 and a half. It finished at 21, so it hit just barely. Um, but I feel like they were afraid to run the football because of and, how good and, Kansas and City's defense was. The other thing, too, Jeff, with that that it really, really boils down to for me, what did Kansas City do in the fourth quarter and overtime? They kept the ball in 15's hand because he's the best player on that team. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't the Niners do the same thing and put the ball in McCaffrey's hands because he's the best player on that team? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's a great question, right? Um, And we talked about this too, like Vito and I did. I don't blame, like, Purdy didn't lose this game by any means, right? Mahomes won it, like, flat out. Purdy was not the reason the Chiefs did, or the, the Niners didn't win the Super Bowl. Like, Purdy was, was really good. However, the one thing I said, which is that, you know, Andy Reid needed Mahomes to get over the hump, you know, and using that comparison of how it kind of felt like Shanahan is following a similar trajectory to what Andy Reid did early on in his career in Philadelphia. And Donovan McNabb was a, was a very solid quarterback. You know, it was a pro bowler, all-time leading passer for the Eagles, like has a bunch of those stats, like was a very, very good quarterback. But he was never, you know, he was never in that top, Peyton, Tom Brady, Brett Favre category of quarterbacks. He was always just outside looking in. And then he also, you know, he never had those clutch moments the way that Eli did, where that was kind of like where Eli lived for a lot of his career. And Eli walked away with two Super Bowls. Um, and I feel like to that point you just made, right? Which is that when when shit mattered most, Kansas City put the ball in the hands of Patrick Mahomes. And to your point, it's like, put the ball in the hands of the best player on, on, on San Francisco and the best player is Christian McCaffrey, which I agree with. Like that would have been smart, but I also wonder if it's like a, do you need that guy or do you need a guy who can at least step up and pretend to be that guy or, or elevate to that guy in a big moment in order to win some of these games, particularly when you're playing 15, you know, and it's not, again, not that Purdy was bad. Purdy played very good football. He didn't turn the ball over. He threw a great touch. The touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings was awesome. He made a bunch of tough throws Called in it. that game. But at this, yeah, you sure did, man. Um, but on top of it, I'm like, yeah, because we we did that when we did our prop bets. Like, player, yeah. you know, anytime touchdown, like, out, uh, yeah, long shots, and you picked Juwan Jennings. Um, I do think, however, I don't know if Purdy's that guy and and i feel like you need a that guy you know to win super bowls nowadays or at least someone who can be that guy in, in a moment, homes you know yeah. you know and you and, and like you look at a guy like matt stafford who just won a couple of years ago like stafford was incredible in that super bowl and he was incredible in that whole run but it was also a perfect marriage and his experience plus with the talent he had and the talent around him with mcveigh was was just a perfect blend of talent, and then of course you have Aaron Donald on the other side. I I, yeah, I just point, wonder like a, a second year Purdy, right, or a second year Stafford. I feel like would also be in the same boat that Purdy is right now. Would I think right? That's a Could fair be. way yeah. to say. It. Yeah, May, maybe you're right, but I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, Stafford was is significantly more talented than than Purdy. Um, oh yeah, arm strength. Yeah, all that, and high all, yeah. Um, yeah. 
But that being said, like I'm, I'm a full believer that Purdy can be a long-term quarterback, but I forget who it was. Somebody said, as I was listening to the content last couple of days, I, I think it's more likely that Purdy ends up on that, like Kirk cousins trajectory where like Kirk cousins right now is a damn good quarterback, really, really good quarterback will be for a long time more so than he turns into Josh Allen or, you know, in terms of production, obviously he's not built like Josh Allen. He can't be that guy. And I think you can win a Super Bowl with a guy like Kirk Cousins with the right system and everything around him. But I, I guess I, I'm curious as your fan, as a fan of San Francisco and everything that happened there, do you not to discredit Purdy in any way, shape or form, but do you, does that thought creep into your mind? Like is Purdy going to be the guy to get us there if he needs a running back to be the best player in the biggest moments of the game? Um, or do you still feel like, no, I'm rocking full on with Brock because he played well. And he did. He played great in the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I what I saw out of that performance with that, those being his first reps of the Super Bowl, um, like I was I was very impressed. Yeah. Um, I think he's a little above where at the level you have him at. Uh like I'm not gonna put him in the in the uh Peyton, uh Tom Brady, Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Let's just throw him in there now at this point conversation. Um but like I he should have won this game and I think he can win another Super Bowl. And I, I, you know, I think he can win at the highest level. Yeah. Um, he ran into, to a problem with 15 and he got, he, that was a brutal test that I think he passed pretty well. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think he's that guy. For I us got right one now. for you, Scotty. And, and I, they both lost and it sucks, but who, who do you think is more of a fit Purdy or Garoppolo, Purdy. I agree. Purdy, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Purdy's. I, I think so. I Purdy's just a more. Guys's take, yeah, yeah. Purdy's a, a a more cerebral player. He's smarter in the pocket. Um, he makes the, he makes better throws, uh, than than Garoppolo ever did. Yeah, Garoppolo was was very much like, and it worked in that system. It was like the slant route, old West Coast offense, Bill Walsh. Dink and dunk, slant route, go get your your yak, uh, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders. Um mm-hmm. and and Purdy's like the way he processes it is is much different. It's not Garoppolo sitting there going one, two, three, four, <laughs> take a sack. It's Purdy going, one, two, three, four, nope, I'm gone. Or or throw it to the right person. Yeah, it's it's I, crazy how well he processes things and, yeah. and like he's only gonna get better at that as he gets more reps, more yeah. meaningful reps in deep in the season. I, I would also I'll say this. I think it's closer. I I, I think the gap's closer than pe- people probably think. Jimmy G had a fraction of the talent around him that that Brock Purdy has. He had no Trent Williams, no Christian McCaffrey, he had rookie Debo, no Brandon Ayuk, and I think he had second year George Kittle. Um like that, that was all Jimmy G had. And he had Emmanuel Sanders at the twilight of his career. Like that, that was it. Right. Um, and yet he got that team to the Super Bowl because of his, to use a word that you just said, Vita, uh, Scotty, how cerebral he was like his mental processing. That was always the thing with Jimmy G that Belichick was always drawn to. And Josh McDaniels was always drawn to when yeah. he was in new England was he could go boom, boom, boom. But he also didn't make bad mistakes. He might take a bad sack. You know, but he he didn't turn the ball over. He he also wasn't aggressive. And I think the biggest difference between the two of them is Brock's not afraid to be aggressive. Brock's yeah. not afraid He's to take those, to yeah. take those shots, right? 
Yeah. At the same time, it's a lot easier to feel like you can take those shots when you have the talent around you that Brock well, Purdy yeah. has. But so I that's think why it's like better I, in the I pocket lean, too. And he's he's way better outside of the pocket. I mean, Jimmy on the design bootleg stuff was always pretty good. Um, but I think Purdy can can work off script a lot better than Jimmy G was ever able yeah. to. And I think the legs and the athleticism, I lean towards Brock in that regard. Um but yeah, I, he just seems to catch everybody too. And, yeah. and there's just something about that, right? I yeah, and and you know, I, I'll say this too, and, and this is not meant to be a slight against Brock, but I think this is when you have a second year quarterback and someone who, you know, ultimately I think Kansas City was like, Hey, if you're gonna beat us, it's gonna be two things. You're not beating us on the ground with McCaffrey, which Kansas City did an unbelievable job with. I mean, it was the lowest yards per carry that McCaffrey had all season. Um it was going to be, you're going to beat us because Brock Purdy is going to ball out and your wide receivers are going to beat our cornerbacks and we trust our cornerbacks out there. And Spags was going to bring up pressure to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. All of those things ended up kind of falling towards Kansas City for the most part of that game, right? Especially after the way the first drive ended, where it was like after the fumble and everything, and it was like, oh, okay, that should have been points. It wasn't points, and that was Bro, a huge... I- I was ready to go get the Super Bowl champions tattoo on that on opening my arm, drive. The Lombardi on that opening drive. I was ready. I do that. That was that. that's how I felt. When last we were year. moving, I was like, fuck, we are gonna it's gonna be 42 to like third. Like Eagles 25. went down and scored a touchdown on the first drive, and I was like, No, stop, stop. It's a long football game. Don't get too excited. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, the Eagles offense has this right now. But yeah. I I, I do the, think that that question, though, gets should at least be considered was like Spags drew up an amazing defense and sure. the cornerbacks played unbelievable coverage. So that would have been a challenge for any quarterback. I mean, and, look what happened with Lamar Jackson. Look what happened with Josh Allen. Right. And and Brock and, hung with those guys as much as as much as those guys did. Right. Yeah. And the other thing with Brock, too, to that point, like for what Spags was drawn up. Like. And it, I think a lot of it is immaturity. Like his line of scrimmage checks, there were a dozen times in that game where he could have checked the play at the game or at the line of scrimmage, and uh, like it would have ended up with with a, a plus play, yeah, uh, instead of a instead of a negative one because like it, it it was not like like they what Kansas City did a great job of, and so did it's, we did this the entire game was like disguising that we were going to show blitz or disguising that we were playing zone. And when we're actually playing man yeah. and Kansas city in the second half, like did the mirrored that. And there were times at the line of scrimmage where I'd be like, Brock, just check this to a run. You got a first down, bud. Yeah. And it would be like, Nope, we're going to, we're going to pass. It's, the worst of all was that, that what the third and four yeah. in the fourth quarter. That was just going to say fucking game. Yeah. Yeah. When they uh, blitz McDuffie. Yeah. Well, yeah. and so that's, what's interesting. And I said this on the last pod too, but like Purdy was, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL against uh, defensive back blitzing all season, right? Trent McDuffie is also the number one uh, player in the NFL as a defensive back when it came to like his success rate. I think it was like thir- he had like 13 disruptive plays, which meant either a sack, tackle for a loss, or a batted down pass all when he blitzed. Um, the next closest was eight, right? So McDuffie's as good as that as anybody. But that's also a credit to what Steve Spagnolo did with his overall just play design and disguising in these exotic blitzes and stuff. But that's the thing that everyone talked about going into this game and over this this run by the Niners was you can't call Brock Purdy a game manager because of how much 
responsibility he has at the line of scrimmage and how good he is at doing that. And he deserves all that credit. But to your point, second year player, he's still a little green behind the ears, even though he's played a ton of football, there's still some things that he didn't see. And part of that's because you're going up against arguably one of the top five defensive coordinators in the history of the NFL, right? And Steve Spagnuolo, right? So when, 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 when that it's, it's tough. Like I, I think when you look at the teams that the chiefs played, and the talent that the Chiefs played on this run, I said it before, but it was the hardest run to win a Super Bowl in the history of the NFL, according to DVOA. You know, you had Tua and everything they do pre-snap and Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert and all the running backs they have in Miami. You had Josh Allen, right, and everything that Buffalo can do. You have Lamar Jackson and that offense and everything they did all year. And then San Francisco and all four of those matchups, Kansas City's defense held those guys to really good numbers. So if you're looking like, hey, do I believe in Brock Purdy? It's like, well, Brock Purdy played about as well, if not better. I think he played way better than Lamar did. And I think he played not as well as Josh Allen because Josh Allen balled out in that game. The defense kind of let them down a little bit and the kicker as well. Um, but Josh Allen played played pretty good. And I think Brock was not too far off from that. So if you're looking at the guys who also lost to Kansas City on this run, Brock Purdy held his own. You know, and, and and that's encouraging moving forward. So he could absolutely turn into that into a that guy. You know, he is still so young um, and they have plenty of talent returning next year. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, any final thoughts on the Super Bowl, Scotty, before we move on? Uh, no. This was mildly cathartic. So I was you. just going to ask you, see, I could see you start to warm up a little bit as we were going through. You started to loosen up. I a still. Little. I still like, I know, but it's just like that. It's going to haunt you for a while. You know, I always talk about that, that overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders. Like I've, I've talked about that every year since Yes, you have, I think that third and four might haunt me longer than that. It will. It was tough. Just put the ball in McCaffrey's hands, run the ball and we kick a field goal to win the Super Bowl. Run the ball twice. Just keep going. I don't. Yeah. That's all right, man. Hey, you know what though? Like we always, it's it's just tougher to be that close. It really is. Like the Broncos. You thought you thought it was tougher to get blown out though. I think it's tougher to get blown out in turn, like when you're watching the Super Bowl, whatever. What I'm saying is tough to get close in general. I would rather not in the game. Just just close, like make it to the Super Bowl. The Broncos. I've been able to enjoy football since we've sucked. I had a really hard time week 18. After that, it's been fucking wonderful. It's just the fact that your team's in it and you get so close to there. That's what makes it hard. The fact that like the Eagles weren't in it like they were last year. No offense, Jeff and Eagles fans listening. But like the fact that that was taken out of the equation and there's no Tom Brady anymore to worry about. And like how we got past the Lions and and the Packers who are going to be much better next year um, and the Rams who are going to be much better next year. And uh, Seattle wasn't in it. So we didn't have to worry about them. And we didn't have to worry about Josh Allen and playing the Ravens for a second time in the Super Bowl, thanks to Patrick Mahomes. And it was like, like for all of that to be eliminated and for us to go one on one with a team that I know we can beat and should have beat. The more talented team, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's, two. That's it's two years in a row, right? It's two years in a row where Kansas City went into the Super Bowl as the as an underdog and the less talented football team. And yet it doesn't matter when you have 15. And that's, that's, we talked about that at nauseam on Tuesday and 
Yep. And that's been the theme of, of this week, though. Again, shitload of credit to go to go to that Kansas City defense for the way that they played because they were they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal. And I'll just say one last thing too, Scotty, because it was on that pod. But last thing I'll say too is hell off to that San Francisco defense because when you hold Mahomes to 19 points, you should win the suit. Like that, that's a great job by that defense. Yeah. 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 Crazy that your coordinator's gone. Anyway, all right. Yeah, right. All right. Well, let's yeah. take a quick break. Let's reset. 2023 season's over, and we're looking forward to 2024. We're going to do our off-season preview and maybe some predictions here on the other side. Read option. Be right back. All right. Some, By the way, quick cleanup from uh, the first segment there. I looked it up. January 21st, 2021 was the first episode of the read option. So, yeah, we missed. <laughs> we're about three, almost four weeks late to our uh, three-year anniversary. But, hey, that's fine. And that's who knows? Hey, you know. happy anniversary, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, right? Cheers. Salute. Up, boys? Um, <laughs> I did put it in my calendar so that way I could, I could remember it next year. Uh, as a Yeah, I mean, three years. How about it? Uh, coming up on 250 episodes. I believe this is episode 250 or 246. This is episode 246. So uh, just continuing to chop, chop out some, uh, some, some numbies here. All right. Uh, NFL 2024 offseason preview. Uh, we can go any direction you guys want. This is open season. Whatever storylines, whatever uh, players changing teams, whatever teams you think, uh, you know, draft stuff, just any anything you want. It can be crazy predictions. It can be rule changes, um, anything that, that pops into your head. So who wants who wants to go first? I, I, I'll dive in. I Let's just like. It. And going through the the free agents, the amount mm-hmm. of superstar talent that are free agents this year, I think is almost unprecedented. Can you can you uh, run through like the top couple? Also, yeah. sure. keep in mind here which how many of those guys are restricted and how many of those guys are also likely to be franchise Fair tagged. Fair enough. Yeah. But uh so Chris Jones is a free agent. He signed that one year deal with the with the Chiefs, uh mm-hmm. two time Super Bowl, three time Super Bowl champion. Uh Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the linebacker. Uh, T. Higgins, yeah, yeah. who we expect to to be a w- number one wide receiver at uh, at a new team. Kirk Cousins leading the quarterback carousel. Um, uh, Antoine Winfield, who's an All Pro safety. Lejarius Sneed, who just won a Super Bowl playing his mind or playing out of his mind against on the outside. Um, Michael Pittman, one of the great wide receivers for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I, there's a lot of te- Calvin Ridley too, free agent. Yeah, Mike, I, there's a lot this, of Mike Evans, yeah. Christian Wilkins. I yeah, think Wilkins there's... coming off his first contract. Obviously Baker is probably going to resign, but like he's in a, like Patrick queen. Damn, this is a lot. You're right. I there's a lot, a lot of superstar talent that, that will be available. Um, even, you know, if you factor in guys who you expect to just resign with whatever, team they have whether that's chris jones or patrick queen or uh or whoever but or baker uh and there, but there could be a lot of volatile movement this offseason more than i think we've we've seen in in previous ones um with a lot of superstar talent going uh going to different cities yeah it, it's a loaded loaded free uh um, obj brian burns from Carolina, um, yeah, Matabuke from Baltimore, uh, the Christian Wilkins one is interesting, and Antoine Winfield 
Um, especially when you say, hey, you got Antoine Winfield as a free agent. You have Mike Evans a free agent. You can only have one tag. Are you going to work on a new deal with one of those guys? Uh, I have a feeling that Mike Evans might come back. I don't know. Like, but I love Mike Evans. Like, I would love to see Mike Evans, who, for the record, is a Hall of Famer, and he has mm-hmm. ten was it ten straight thousand yard yep. seasons to start his career. We got to yeah. talk about the Hall of Fame class too. At one point, we'll put a pin in that. Oh, uh, did they nice. announce it? They did. At oh the yeah, honors. it was like the day before the Super Bowl. Yeah, I missed or two it. Days. Yeah. Fuck. Great um, class, Patrick Willis. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Willis, Willis got in. Oh, yeah, that's well sir. deserved. Um, yeah, I mean that's oh Dwight Franey. Yeah, yeah right. it's a great class. Devin Hester They're, got in. Let's Andre go. Johnson. Yeah, let's Devin go. Hester Devin Hester was cool Hester. when they announced it, and they he was walking. Yeah, that was great. I thought that would um, never happen. If I'm being totally honest, really, I never thought they would do it. Because they've they... never done it with a returner. They've done it with kickers. I don't think there's a punter in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, no, because oh, I McAfee. think the only problem McAfee will get uh, Billy White, Suze Johnson, I believe, is a Hall of Famer, but he was a great receiver, to your point. Like, who, also also punted, who also punted. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you mean as a returner? Yeah. Yes, yes. Who also returned. So, like, he was in, but to your point, like, not just for that. Like, you know what I mean? So, to your point. Um, oh, man. This is uh this is what's also wild, really man. fucked up is this is the first class of guys, excluding the senior members, um, who are like old school, like 70s era football guys. This is the first class where I'm like, I watched and played Madden with every single player yeah. in this wow. class. This is the first yeah. time I'm like, oh, oh get oh, amongst cool. it. Anyway, oh, ADD. This, Sorry. This sucks, dude. I'm like, God damn, dude. It's 28. It's 28. Johnson deserves it. Yeah. He was the sure. best receiver well, on that startup franchise. Like, it's good for so him, hard as a wide receiver to get into the NFL Hall of Fame right now because there are so many good guys ahead of you. You know, like, like, like Julio Jones, like how long guys, and T.O. had a bunch of reasons, but like, you have that whole generation of like the Steve Smiths and like guys like that, Reggie Wayne, you know, guys who haven't mm-hmm. gotten into the Hall of Fame yet because there's a backlog and they don't want to put in multiple, you know, wide receivers in the same class. Um, Julius Peppers and Dwight Freeney both getting in is awesome. Uh, yes. Patrick Patrick Willis, I've said to this day, is I still think the best linebacker I've ever seen play football in my entire life. Yeah. I love Patrick Willis. I loved watching him play. I mean, I mean, the, just uh, unbelievable. And one of the older guys, uh, Rennie Granishar, he's an old Bronco. The Orange Crush defense, that was our old defense mm. back in the day. He was the middle linebacker of it. So um, led that, organized it, called the plays. That's when it was right. Like back then, literally the linebackers would call the defensive plays sometimes. They get signals, but like the, you know the OG green line. dot. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he he was just uh, awesome, Pitching. awesome dude. It's good to see another Bronco in the, in the Hall of Fame. I love that. Um, yeah, sorry for the ADD. No, I just thought that's we good. I, that, see, that's class. perfect because we hadn't <laughs> talked about it yet. I, I didn't realize they had announced it yet. Um, all right. Well, that's that's a good one. Loaded, loaded free agent class. It is. Um, I'm curious. There'll be a bunch. Of, like Michael Pittman Jr. is a, a free agent, right? Which is because he was a second round pick. So he doesn't get that Correct. fifth year option. It's still crazy to me that he's already you know going to potentially yeah. reach free agency. Um but he seems like a guy who will likely be franchise tagged, um, if not work out a long-term deal. And they have a ton of money to throw at, at him as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun players here. I like that. Um, now, we have the whole class listed out there. But if you have a specific name that you want to attach to a team, if you want to go that for a bold prediction, I'm about it. 
Um, Vito, what's what's your big? What are you what are you gonna bring for the the preview here? What's what's intriguing to you? I'm gonna say quarterback questions, and let's start with my Denver Broncos. Like it's guys like that. It's oh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. I'm not saying at the top. It's what are these guys? Kirk Cousins. What are these guys gonna do next year? Because at the end of the day, when we're talking about the playoffs and we're in December and January, these veteran quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins or even a Russ can take your team from not making the playoffs to making the playoffs. So yes, we might've talked about them forever and, and yeah, quarterbacks get all the talk, but they are without a doubt the position that changes your likelihood, right. Of winning and success in the NFL. Um, I think this Russell Wilson thing, and I'm interested obviously, but you're talking about a guy who signed a huge deal. They don't know what they're going to do. Deshaun Watson, like what is going to happen with him? Right. Cause he came in and it was, he was playing, he had his best game when he got hurt. And then Joe Flacco proved that, Hey, I came off the couch and ran this offense better than you have in two years. So you, you right? stole, like, that was going to be my first bold prediction. <laughs> I was going to wait to the end of this segment because I didn't think we'd get to Deshaun Watson yet, but go ahead. Keep going. No, but I'm, I'm my thing is literally like, all right, is Denver really going to walk away from Russ? Cause I, I personally, as a fan of wouldn't, I thought they were sitting for a thing, uh, you know, the medical piece. And now they're saying he could, they would literally walk away from him. The amount of teams that are in salary cap hell is crazy. We have um, three teams over 50 million in, in debt. And then one, two, three, four, eight other teams. So we have 11 teams below the cap already for 2024. And this can change, right? There's a lot of reworks that happen when they get to the off season. I, most of them will come under, but like the saints are down 80 million. The cap is only 240. So what the hell are you doing? And how are they still in that cap hell? I mean, we've been talking well, about that for a decade. It feels like. And and because what I was thinking is, oh, that's a team I could see signing Russ or something. No, they're out. So, right, when you start looking at the financial situation mixed with these guys like a Kirk Cousins, you know what I mean? Where do they, it's like Tennessee or the Patriots, right? Like, I could see that. Hat. Like, there's stuff like that where if they don't tag them and re-sign all that stuff, like, what happens here? And, and I think those middle quarterbacks who have big deals now and the younger quarterbacks that are coming in, they're like, man, we'd rather just draft – like I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to Russ, right? I don't know what's going to happen to these guys, and I think that storyline throughout the off season, when anytime a quarterback moves, it's way bigger <laughs> news than anybody else. That's just the truth of it, and how it's covered, yeah. right? Well, and when you look at it too, how many teams really need quarterbacks right now, right? Um, Five, four. There, there's not a ton. Um, you look at New England needs a quarterback. We're assuming if we're just going, you know, division by division, we're assuming mm. Aaron Rodgers comes back for the jets. Right. So in that division, we're yeah. looking at, you know, new England needs a quarterback, uh, AFC North. Hey, speaking of the jets, there was green in the, uh, they released the super bowl logo for next year. Oh, there's green in it. There's a little green Oof. in it. Yeah. A little red and green. Fly so. Eagles, fly Eagles, fly chiefs. Uh, it's going to be, it's either going to be chiefs, Eagles. It's going to be Eagles. It could be jets, uh, Niners. And- yeah, it could be Jets, Niners. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could be e- Eagles, Texans. I equate Eagles, to this Bills. year. The purple was the Niners were red and they played uh, the Another, Lions who were blue yeah. in the NFC Championship. Uh, that was the or purple. There's, just and two, the, there's two red teams and one's going to be a little darker than the other. So what's, you know, just yeah. move it down to purple. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, when you look through the list, in. right? I got to take my meds. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> look at AFC North. Um you could say question marks maybe with uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, AFC. Kenny Pickett yeah. was fully benched when he came back and was healthy. I don't think they're moving. And they also cut Mitch Trubisky this week, which I think was expected. And I don't think they want 16 um, games of 
uh, Mason with Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, right? Exactly. <laughs> so what does Pittsburgh's future look like? Are we going to end up talking about like, hey, do they <laughs> cousins? Well, and one of the things I have on my list, we'll get to in a second about a potential quarterback there. My prediction was one of my bold predictions of the year is I don't think Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback week one for Cleveland. I think that defense is too good. I think they know there's too much talent there. And I think Deshaun Watson, I mean, he he was he basically performed as well as rookie quarterback DTR, uh, at least in one of the two starts that he had. And uh PJ Walker was and PJ Walker. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then of course <laughs> Joe Flacco comes in and, and leads them on that whole run. You look at the AFC South, they all have at least a young quarterback that they're gonna be rolling with. Will Levis, uh Obviously, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, AFC West, Denver, definite question, mm-hmm. Las Vegas, definite yep. question, but Kansas City and, and the drafting, Chargers are good. They're drafting right behind you, too. So, if we're talking about definite questions right now, Vegas and New England, Denver could run it back with Russ, but they could. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think Denver will be in the yeah. market for a quarterback. It's like NFC. Uh, then I would put I would Raiders put and Pats, I think, are locked in Pittsburgh. I think there's still a question because you did just spend a first rounder on this guy two years. He's only played two seasons. Okay, right. That's fair. And then the I, South, we have what? the Well, look, the NFC. All right. If you well, go to the AFC. Oh, I went through the AFC. All those guys have young quarterbacks. AFC South. South. I did. Yeah. CJ Stroud, Anthony so, Richardson, yeah. Trevor right. Lawrence, Will South Levis. They yeah. all got young quarterbacks that they're going to be working with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, NFC East. The Giants just signed Daniel Jones to that extension. He's coming back. Right. He's going to be the week one starter. He's going to yeah. be because of the contract. You're right. Right. Not, Washington's another one. But the one caveat I'm going to throw into this, right, if we're talking about the free agent aspect of this, is that New England's got the third overall pick. The Commanders have the second overall pick. Those two teams are drafting quarterbacks in the first round. So you take those off the board. Right now, we are left as the way we stand right now. We have Las Vegas is the only team that you're like, really confident is going to make a change at quarterback, but also I don't people kind of fucked with Aiden O'Connell, but they're they're definitely like the favorites NFC North. That's where my, my next question is going to be with Chicago. But other than that, Detroit green Bay, and then Minnesota is either going to run it back and bring Kirk cousins back, or they could be an option. So you put them in the maybe category uh, and they're not in a position to draft at the top. So that gives us like, if you, if you put them at the same level as like Denver, that gives us like three teams who are potential free agent options. NFC South, Falcons, I think definitely, yes, are in that. Mm-hmm. So they join the Raiders. Panthers, you have to keep running it back with Bryce Young. I think yep. the Saints are going to run it back with uh, with Derek Carr. And then Tampa Bay, I think you you offer a decent deal to Baker Mayfield. Like, yeah. I, I really he, think you He do. wants to come back. He said, yeah. Yeah. I, do you um, hear that hot mic moment? Do you guys see that? No, there was like he was talking to someone after a talk show during Super Bowl week and he was still mic'd up and they caught it. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm just really comfortable there. I think it's going to work out. And he's like, that's awesome, man. You got to stick to that place. And like it, uh, they gave you a great opportunity and you seem to fit. So it was like he was one of Baker stays that I think yeah. Mike Evans stays, too. And that's a big part of that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, then you look the last division. The NFC West is all set. Kyler Stafford, the Rams. And as of as of today. The Seahawks, but as of today, the Seahawks told Geno Smith that they're bringing him back next year. That's thank you. You know what? I'm happy with that. Yeah. So that leaves (laughs) us with two. Very happy with that. That leaves us with two definite teams that aren't drafting, or yeah, two definite teams that aren't drafting in the top three. Who 
could be in the market for a free agent quarterback. And then two other ones that are like, depending on what happens with their starter from this year, which that is uh, who did I, the Raiders, the Vikings, the Falcons. And uh, what was the last one? Probably. I think you will Denver. Is that what you're going with Russ? And Denver. Yeah. Yeah. And Denver. Yeah. Right. So those yeah, are, those so, are the four. Yeah. It's that's wild to go through. I'm glad we did that because that's crazy to think that of 32 teams and remember years ago it'd be like you got it you got to have a top quarterback if not just keep draft and move on whatever and now it's like yeah but what are you gonna do when you're in this spot i I think that's why draft night could get really freaking chaotic it definitely will it definitely will and there was a report that came out before the super bowl about how washington doesn't have the ammo to even trade up from two to one to go after caleb williams now again these are the, you know, anonymous sources say where you're kind of like, okay, what does that actually mean? Is there an agent out there trying to get some information her, out? Her sources. Yeah. Right. But one of those four teams, and again, if you put the, the maybe category, I think you could probably put the Steelers in there as well. But so if you say those five teams, Justin Fields is going to end up on one of those five teams. I I think so. Justin okay. Fields, I think, is the biggest domino to fall in the quarterback. Like if I'm, if I'm going out there, would I rather have Justin Fields or Kirk cousins? If I'm one of those five teams, right? Like I'm, I'm sorry, like Pittsburgh, Kirk cousins maybe could get you there, but it also depends on what offense they're going to start running. Now. Uh, I still, still think I'd rather have Justin Fields. Uh, If I'm Las Vegas, absolutely. I'd rather have Justin Fields with Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Um, cause Kirk cousins on, on loss on yeah. On Las Vegas's roster is like, all right, we're building towards something or Kirk cousins on that roster is like met Justin Fields on that roster is like, all right, we're building towards something. Denver with Justin Fields would be electric. I think that'd be an awesome setup. You have Javante Williams in the backfield. You have young wide receivers on the outside, invest some money on the offensive line. I think that would be a great fit for them. So um, I want us to draft him two, right? three years, four years ago. God, and the, it would be <laughs> awesome. Like I was that was so our pissed. first draft too, wasn't it? Yeah, that was our first right? mock draft. The one and Vito and I got into many arguments about Justin Fields, um, most of which like I still feel valid on most of my side of it, which is like the athleticism, everything's there. But the team that I most want Justin Fields to go to, the Atlanta Falcons. Trade a second, trade so a second, trade a second round pick this year and a future third next year, whatever it's going to take. Bring him there. Bring him back to Atlanta. You put him next to Bijan. You put him with that wide receiver core with Kyle Pitts. It's All of young. A they look like it's the, a, the Ravens. It's crazy athletic, you know. And it's and then they have a good defense on the back end. Like that's a team that um, can fuck around and win ten games. And to your point, Scotty, I want to look this up. I'm pretty sure he won the first high school like championship in the new Falcon Stadium. Oh, in the Mercedes Benz Dome. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have a tie so, to that stadium, don't you, Vito? Yeah, it was my thesis building. Our company built it. I visited a lot during construction. I know that thing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. I designed the siphonic drainage. It's fucking sick. It's a whole siphon system. So, like, uh, when you drain in a pipe, it, you only actually have one third water and it spins in this air. Yeah. And siphonic means the whole thing is sucked out. So, you have small. Anyway, this is nerdy. Sorry, guys. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have engineering. The point. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, that was Vito's engineering corner presented by <laughs> Clark Construction. Um, I'm kidding. I, I, if I knew your company, I would have said that. Southland. Southland. Southland presented by Southland Construction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's kind of when we talk about this quarterback movement. And again, like the first 
thing I was going to bring up was where does Justin Fields go? Because I think, and I've seen a lot of this on like get up and stuff about like him going to Pittsburgh, like should Pittsburgh trade for Justin Fields, which I, I don't, stable. I don't just, I, I, I don't dislike that. Like I actually think that could be a decent spot with a guy like Tomlin who has a history of, of working with quarterbacks. But at the same time, you look at the job that they've done now, granted that was with Matt Canada, but you look at the guys post big Ben and even at the tail end of big Ben, the quarterback position has always kind of been a weak link there. But you also think about that backfield with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris and then Justin Fields and what they can do running the football. You have good wide receivers. You have a good tight end. You have a good offensive line. There's something to work there. The question is, we just don't really know what kind of offense. Now, we know Arthur Smith is the offensive coordinator there. And if he's going to create easy throws the way that he did for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, then Justin Fields in Pittsburgh could actually be a really good fit, right? Make the throws easy but then also highlight the stuff he can do with his legs. And then all of a sudden you got Najee running for a thousand yards and Jalen Warren running for 500 and Justin Fields adds another four or 500 on the ground. And that's a lethal running attack mixed with George Pickens and uh, Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth. That could be a fun spot if he ends up being there. Um, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but Justin Fields where he goes is, is one of my, one of my burning questions. Um, who else has got one? You got one, another one where does Scotty just disappeared? Do you got? Oh, there he is. There he is. Who's who's got the next one? I'll do uh, like uh, and I'll pose it as a question. Like, who's the the contender in the playoffs you like most to make uh, a a Super Bowl run next year? Mm. And who's the on the other side? Who's the playoff team uh, from this year or contender from this year who you think will be the most disappointing next year? And do, do you think, and basing that off of either free agency or just based off of like regression to the mean? Off of what we know now, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can make those predictions in your analysis, but yeah. The team that I think will be most hmm. disappointing, I think, is going to be Miami. Um, and the the biggest reason is is Tua. I I think their Miami is going to come in with high expectations again. Now, granted, this is super super early, so I could totally change my tune on this in six months, but. I just think the expectations for Miami are going to be really high next year. Um, And we saw what the offense did, but there's some stuff about the way that team's built. And you think about the guys that they lost so late in the season who are going to be missing through the majority of the first half of that season. And when they come back, are are we going to trust Bradley Chubb when he comes back off of a second ACL injury? Um, You know, Jalen Phillips, same thing. His was an Achilles. You know, how, how much do we trust that those guys when they come back are going to be big impact guys? They lose Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like, look, Tua, Tua looked awesome sometimes this year, but also looked really average and behind, you know, what was statistically the best running attack in football. Um, if that starts to slow up, if you get the injuries to Raheem Mostert, you know, Raheem Mostert was remarkably healthy this year. It's the first time in his career he stayed healthy. It's more likely that he regresses back to what he's been for most of his career and starts getting injured a little bit more. I think Miami's the one who's probably going to take a step back. Um, and look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it cause it's going to jinx it already, but I really am excited about what the future of the Eagles is. Um, <clears throat> I think the two coordinators are going to be awesome, man. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be boomer bust with those guys. Like it's either, they're going to come back and look like a whole nother team and they have all the talent in the world. Um, there's some weird reports about Hassan Reddick requested a trade, but then he came out and said he never requested a trade and there's a bunch of stuff, but he wants a long-term deal. He has one year left with, with no guaranteed money. 
So I think that's a big reason why people are are kind of up in the air about Hassan Reddick. But I just I feel like again, if if I believe in Jalen Hurts the way that I do, this is like the blip year where like every time in his career he's had a devastating loss or things didn't pan out well. The next year he showed up and was incredible. You know, like that's just how his whole career has gone. Anytime there's that's, adversity. Yep. And now exactly. that he's got paid and they kind of got all of the the they had the shine from the Super Bowl and the almost Super Bowl win last year. I think this year was always going to kind of be a little hard to, to really excel. I think Philly is going to have a more up and down season. I don't think they're going to start 10 and one like they did the last two years. But I think when it comes to the playoffs, I think they're going to be better built and ready for a, a deeper run. I think Philly at least gets back to San Francisco and or to um, the NFC championship game, which very well could be in San Francisco. Um I have one other team that I think is going to regress more than people think, and it's probably fading the public, but I'll let you go veto and answer that question first. All right. So my, my team to fade from a playoff team. I mean, I, I really want to say the Steelers, they're the biggest question mark at quarterback probably. And and I don't know, I, but I like their defense. Them and the Browns are in the same spot where it's like, what's happening at quarterback. Um, now I trust Tomlin to not regress so far. And but Stefanski's coach of the year. So I'm I'm just kind of talking through those options. And I think I think when you end up like looking at this and saying who could actually have the biggest step back, um I'm gonna go with the Steelers. I still think that they could end up having the first time where they don't get above 500. Like they, they need to figure out what's going on there. Um I, I just think that that team was for as good as that defense was, it, they still statistically ended up not performing well in a couple big games. And I don't know, they're just interesting. They won a lot of games they shouldn't have this year. And if that doesn't happen next year, I think they're going to take a big step back. And the team who I think is going to be back and grow. um, I just think Buffalo is going to be that team for a little while here. Um, Buffalo and the Ravens, right at the top of the AFC, we've all said it's great, but just have the chiefs. Um, You know, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and say the Bills. Uh, I love the Ravens, but I think going with the, the classic one seed isn't as, as good, and and they've had problems before. One injury, that team is done. So the Bills, um, I'm going to go with, and I just think Josh Allen too. He's the can't. He's the guy who's beaten Mahomes, right? Like he is the Mahomes beater. So I think that's the other reason is like he is one of the only guys to do it uh, multiple times. So. In the I'll, regular I'll throw his name in there. Yeah, in the regular season, <laughs> in the regular season. But hey, it's hard to beat him anytime. So, you know, I don't know. I'll take that. <laughs> the other team I wanted to throw in that mix, though, and this is going to lead me into my next point or my next uh, question about their preview part of the offseason. Green Bay. I, I think there's a lot of as I a think, step back as a step back team. Um, and, and part of that's because, like, we watched Green Bay struggle this year. For the vast majority of the season, they got hot at the right time. But the amount of people who want Jordan Love to like be, he's going to get the next because he's due for a contract as well. Like he's going to get broken off and, as he's going to be the next guy based off of what sample size? Why on earth are we ready to all of a sudden anoint Jordan Love as the next coming of, you know, Aaron Rodgers? Like, yes, he looked great. He looked awesome in that Cowboys game. But just like he did week one when I forget who they beat week one, but everyone was talking about how great he looked. I was thinking of Chicago, right? He balled out against Chicago. It was like one out of every like eight throws was big and he kept making these huge third down plays. And that's like a lot of what their wins looked like, which was that 
the consistency and rhythm and everything was there. Now, I expect him to be a more polished player next year, but they were also the youngest team in the NFL. And they were also the youngest team, I believe, in NFL history to win a playoff game this like this year when they won it. So there's a lot of variability that comes with the Green Bay Packers where I think they're going to be like a good team. Like I, I do think they're going to be in the mix for making a playoff spot. If they go out and sign T Higgins or if they go out there and, and pull in, you know, a Chris Jones or like one of these really good guys, sure up the offensive line, you know, I'll feel better. But David Bakhtiari, like that dude's been playing a long time and his body is beat to shit outside of him. That offensive line is not spectacular. Aaron Jones has been around for a while. Like how many more high, high quality years? We've seen it with running backs where they just fall off a cliff all of a sudden. Um, I, I just, I, and maybe it's not that I think they're going to regress because obviously they were the seventh seed and they want a playoff game. So I expect them to be in contention to win that division next year, yeah, even with Detroit. But I guess part of this, and this is more about what I was saying, was the Jordan Love extension was going to be my next question because I think we need to – throw a little bit of cold water onto the Jordan love thing, right? We're all getting caught up about how the play, how it ended and the playoffs, but they also, they needed help to get into the playoffs week 18, you know, like they weren't like, Hey, we're this young ups. They weren't like Houston where it's like, Hey, we got, I mean, in some ways they kind of were or Detroit. Yeah. But like, I just think we need to kind of take a step back when it comes to green Bay and just like, Hey, let's just pump the brakes a little, you know, like if I'm green Bay, I'm franchise tagging, Jordan Love. I'm not committing to a long-term deal unless it's a team-friendly deal because we just don't know, right? And I think we hear a lot from like Bears fans and Lions fans like, oh my God, Green Bay is going to do this again. They're going to have another generational quarterback after Favre and then after Rodgers. Now it's going to be Jordan Love. Jordan Love played like shit for a lot of this year. He played really well down the stretch, but they were under 500 for the majority of the season and then came on late. They're going to be that trendy pick that everybody picks to either make this kind of like what Detroit was last year, right? They're going to be that trendy pick that teams are going to be like, hey, they're the team that's going to make the run to the Super Bowl, the NFC Championship game. And maybe they will. Maybe I'll look like an idiot because they have a ton of cap space and they're young and they have stuff to do. I just think I didn't see enough out of Jordan Love this year to be like, yep, give him the extension, lock it in, give him $200 million. Let's go. It's like, I want to see a little more out of Jordan Love before I'd be like, hey, let's put him up in the category of like a top 10 quarterback. Because I don't think he's at a top 10 quarterback level yet. I think the ceiling is there, but I think they they need to do a little bit more. I expect them to be aggressive in free agency. But the topic around his extension, I think is fascinating because he sat for three years. We got to see him play for one year. They gave him the pseudo extension in, in place of the fifth year option this past year. And now it's like, all right, are you going to pay this guy? Is he going to try to hold out and force the hand of Green Bay? Or is he going to like take whatever the offer is this year, try to play on a deal and then figure out what happens next, you know, play for a deal and we'll see what happens next <laughs> offseason. I just think that there's been a lot of talk about people saying like, hey, you got to extend, you know, Jordan Love based off of what, like a three game sample size. If that's the case, then Nick Foles should have become the highest paid player in the NFL after the 2014 season or whatever that year was. He went 27 and two, right? Like you need a bigger yeah. sample size than that to figure out who a guy is. And when you look at the, the totality and more than just even one season, but when you look at this season for more than half the season, Jordan Love wasn't that good. wasn't really a good quarterback at all. So I, I just, I think pumping the brakes on the Jordan Love discussion, especially when we talk about extending him, 
and where the quarterback extensions are right now, where it's just like the next guy up is the guy who's getting paid, right? And he's going to be the next highest, and the guy after that's going to be the next highest. I think we need to sincerely pump the brakes, unless we're talking about like a, Jan- a Daniel Jones type deal, which is like, hey, four years, $160 million with 115 of it guaranteed or whatever, which is way below what the league average is. And they still have plenty of cap room after that because they had the lowest cap hole, uh, cap hit in the NFL this year. So I like Jordan Love. I still see the potential there. And what he did in the playoffs was really impressive. I just need to see more of it before I'm ready to say, hey, let's lock this guy up as a four, four or five year extension and then move on from there. Not uh, Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on the on the Packers front. That was one of my contenders for for my question. What um, do you got? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So contender to pretender. Mm-hmm. You guys left the layup for me. It's Dallas Cowboys. They're due for a four and twelve years. So yeah, hard. They are, it's they not are even so funny. due for it. You're so right. It's not even funny. I like how due they after. are for that. And, I don't want to jinx and, it, man. Well, and they got rid of their defensive coordinator. That was the thing holding the ship together. Yeah, and like, they hired Mike Zimmer, which is interesting, to come in and be yeah. the new defensive coordinator. He hasn't been in the NFL since he was the uh, head coach of the Vikings. That's an interesting. We'll see. Yeah, and there's hire. just a lot, a lot of question marks uh, with them. Uh, and look, I, I think the Eagles are are going to be right back in the mix uh, next year. Uh, you know, obviously the Giants and the Commanders are are not going to be ideal can dallas make the playoffs i think so i don't think they're the the 12 and 5 13 and 14 that we've been accustomed to over the past couple of years they're so um, good in the regular season though man you that's, know well that's the thing and and you know they're not losing anybody really... like they're they're really not losing much talent maybe a little <laughs> bit off the offensive line but again like we we saw very biggest little thing is, tony pollard's a free agent so like the, the, i mean maybe he gets franchise is, tag this is the first year, and remember when Dak was art was fighting for the extension, and he was like, "I'm gonna play for the extension," and then that was when his ankle shattered, and they gave it to him anyway. But he turned down their first couple offers on the on the extension, and yet he ended up getting it anyway. Like, I feel like this is the first time since that season, which I think was 2019, that Dak is playing with a massive microscope over top of him. Right. Because there's already, you know, what was the comments Jerry Jones made a few weeks ago, which was like, we go as far as Dak takes us. Like the pressure on Dak is super high right now. Enormous. Yeah. And, and playing under that pressure could leak into the regular season. But I also, I still think they're just too talented to be a, to be like a four and, you know, 13 team. But maybe I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. Uh, pretender to contender. I, this list was so much longer. I mean, you could go the Bengals getting Joe Burrow back. You can go the Jets yeah. getting Aaron Rodgers back. But you said playoffs. You yeah. So give me all of the AFC South. All of the AFC South. The, the Texans are going to be really freaking good next year. The Jaguars are back. The Indianapolis Colts, I think, are going to be really, really surprising to uh, to a lot of people. Anthony um, Richardson, baby, coming back. I think back. they bring Michael Pittman back. They get AR uh, back. They get their defense, uh, who which played better and better each week, has got an opportunity to bring in some free agent guys. I think the Indianapolis Colts make some noise next year, but the whole AFC South is going to be back, minus the Titans. All right, Vito, you got any, any other big picture ones? All right, I got a couple of quick hitters that I wanted to roll through here. Um, Houston Texans offseason. 
I'm fascinated to know what they do. You have this unbelievable start with a rookie quarterback. We think about the the only other time really in recent memory. Um, I guess there's two technically, but it was Washington when they had RG3 and then the Andrew Luck here, right? And what those two teams did and how they built around having that young team. We saw what happened with Washington. RG3 gets the injuries and stuff and that completely derails him. So you kind of throw that out the window. But you look at what uh, Indianapolis did, which is they failed to get him an offensive line. They failed to help invest in that spot. And if I'm Houston, the next thing I'm doing is like, hey, we saw this dude win playoff games with uh, you know Robert Woods and uh, uh, Nico Collins as your top wide receivers and uh, Dalton Schultz as your other third top rusher. He can throw it to, to average to pretty good wide receivers and still put up big numbers. Tank Dell, right? You're going to get Tank Dell coming back to um, invest draft capital, invest money in free agency on offensive line, protect CJ Stroud at all costs. And if you have leftover money, go out and get T Higgins. Like I think T Higgins on the Texans. I said this, I, when did I, I think I said it like week six or week seven, once we realized how good CJ Stroud was, I said it on one of our pods, like, T. Higgins is going to be free agent. I want to see T. Higgins on this team, right? If you have a lineup that's Nico Collins, T. Higgins, and, and Tank Dell out of the slot, that is a really fast, dynamic, good, reliable wide receiver core. And you and you probably don't have to pay T. Higgins like top, top tier wide receiver one money, right? He's not going to get a Jamar Chase kind of contract who's going to get paid this offseason. You're not going to get those types of top tier deals no, for T. Higgins. But you do. You do run the risk of like him wanting a short-term deal to prove that he can. Maybe, that. but even so, I think you take that, right? Yes, yeah, I think draft. so. Too. I mean, how many how many second-year starters? I mean, back-to-back years, we've seen a second-year starter in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy, right? So, I'm I'm if I'm Houston, I'm like invest everything on the offensive line, draft capital, whatever it is, get some free agents in there to, to protect CJ Stroud, and then if you have the money left over. Go out. But I mean, Derek Stingley's a good number one. You're set there. Add some complimentary pieces. The linebacking room is really good for them. Will Anderson just won defensive rookie of the year. He's a really, really good player. So, like, I feel like the defense, especially with D'Amico Ryan's running it, he's going to get the most out of those guys. And he's going to be really good at identifying the talent for the things that they need to make that defense good. The one thing that we can guarantee that, like, will help make CJ Stroud turn elite is a really, really good offensive line. And if they can, and you already have Lamry Tunsil on the, on the far left, right? So you have your left tackle figured out, invest in the rest of it, right? And just put a ton of capital into the Houston Texans. Really curious about that. Um, I mentioned the Deshaun Watson thing. Devontae Adams. I think Hmm. Devontae Adams gets traded this year. There's the last, what, like three or four years, we've had a star wide receiver get traded. So I'm just the question in general, who's it going to be? I would lean towards Devontae Adams. I think there's going to be, you know, you look at a place like New York, whose final ditch effort with Robert Sala, you got the ta- the very tail end of Aaron Rodgers coming off of this Achilles injury, should be fully ready to go for OTAs and training camp and everything else. A, a wide receiver core of Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams. I mean, that's, that's, that's phenomenal, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, that's nice. That would be a great move. <laughs> Stefan Diggs is also in that conversation. 
some of the bad, it feels like there's bad blood, even though like he's come out and said that there's no bad blood and Josh Allen said there's no bad blood. It feels like that could be another one that, Hey, that's going to alleviate cap space for Buffalo. They can go out and spend that money in other places that they need. Um, and, you know, kind of look, take a page out of what Kansas city did and said, Hey, we don't need Tyreek Hill to be able to win football games. We have Josh Allen. We're going to trust him to make plays to whoever he's throwing the ball to trade Stefan Diggs get back draft capital, which they need, especially drafting that late in the first round every year, find some draft capital, maybe a first round pick from a team like our Jacksonville or something, you know, a team that might, or Tennessee a team that might end up a little higher in the draft in the first round. Cause I think you can get a first round pick for Stefan Diggs. Um, but mainly you get, even if you get a second rounder, or a couple second rounders and a third rounder, whatever you're getting the relief off the cap, the salary cap from him. So it's like, keep an eye on that one as another one. Um, this one kind of makes me sad because I, I mean, especially since they ended up making the playoffs and looked pretty good, but with how good Puka was last year, I think Cooper Cup is on the table. The injury concerns, plus the again, the, the cap stuff. We talk about teams that are in cap hell. The Rams have been dealing with the cap stuff for a while. Maybe there's a team like Carolina who wants to go bring in a top-tier wide receiver to go with a young quarterback. You get the all-white wide receiver room of, of Cooper Cup and Adam Thielen together. Um you know, that could be pretty good. So I, I think I think we see a top tier wide receiver traded once again. Uh, and I think it's I, I, I think it's gonna be Devontae Adams. I feel like the the favorite right now would be Stephon Diggs, but Devontae Adams has made his frustrations with the Raiders known. The only big holdback from that is if he just loves playing for Antonio Pierce and loves living out there, he may not be as vocal about it. And if he's not vocal and doesn't want to go diva status, I don't think he gets traded. Um but yeah, so I would throw those in the mix as uh, as well, and yeah, I think I think that's about it. Um, curious. One other one I did have. Yeah, uh, go ahead. What is Bill Belichick going to do this year? I was just going to say that. Please really? be the Niners' defensive coordinator. Please be the Niners' defensive. Could you coordinator. imagine if he's like, "Fuck it, I'll I'll hang out." Like it's it's a year I, off for him almost. I like, think. <laughs> I mean, look, we didn't talk about it, but ESPN just hired Nick Saban to do College Game Day. So Saban's going to be on the desk with, wow. with the game day crew and, and he's going to do some, some commentary stuff for them. All right, I don't maybe think I'll it's... watch college football next year. <laughs> I don't think it's off the table that Belichick could do some media stuff. Um, anything that's promoting the game of football. I think he's, he's all over. Like um, winning another Super Bowl as a coordinator. With the yeah, Niners. well, maybe, maybe I mean, there's no way. He to coach. I was even saying like, he would he go back never to, like... be a coordinator. I, I don't I could actually see it. That'd be so fun if he did. Um, but no, what would be crazy to see is like, what if he goes back to like takes a year off and goes to the local high school and just like, you know what I mean? Just just like that'd be nuts. It. Well, there was so much like talk I saw last week about like before before Boston College hired Bill O'Brien, they were like, ah, fuck it, maybe just Bill Billichek goes to, to Boston College to be the head coach. By the way, we didn't touch on it because it was the Super Bowl. Um, our Super Bowl recap because all that happened this weekend. Ohio State hires Bill O'Brien, and then Bill O'Brien's like, "Peace, I'm here for two weeks. I'm going to go be the head coach of Boston College." What? And then Chip <laughs> Kelly, who's done an unbelievable job of building up UCLA and making them relevant again, it's like, "All right, cool. I'm going to go be the offensive Just coordinator at yeah. Ohio State." Like, oh, fuck's going on? I have no I idea. It's chaos. First of all, I love it. Uh, because I didn't want Bill O'Brien to be on Ohio State. I think I told yeah, you guys are off the hook so a little bit there. So yeah. that was kind of great. Um, also I said he was dead to me. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Now, now he's back. Uh, <laughs> didn't coach the game. We're, we're all good. And then yeah, well, he's all the way back. Kelly going. It was funny. Cause um, like in, in our tech group of friends that I'm with, it's like one of us went to Oregon, one went to Ohio state. I went to Penn state. And so everyone was giving me shit in this group chat. Cause my old coach went to Ohio state and I was like, Oh, it's Spider-Man. Like, Oh yeah, me now it's yeah, you. Now yeah, Chip yeah, Kelly you. is there. Yeah. How does that feel? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, the last thing I had is just the draft stuff at the top of the draft. I, I Scotty touched on it for a second, right, about how wild. I think it's going to be a wild process getting up to the draft. The quarterbacks, there's a live, lot of like switch, like live cast, which we've done that before. Us. So we might yeah. have to bring that back. Um, but when you look at it, you know, historically, like what we've done in the past uh, or, or just thinking about that kind of stuff. Whenever we have crazy draft nights, it's always because it's a quarterback centric draft. Right. And there's always a, 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 a top prize at the top, but I'll say this, there's a lot of buzz about Drake may. And I'm not so sure that Jaden Daniels isn't the best quarterback prospect in this year's draft either. And then you have these weird wild cards where like McShay has been talking about like Michael Penix has been graded as for some teams as a late first round, some have them as a, a second, third day pick. And then some teams have them as a do not touch because of the medical history and because of That's how much crazy. football he's played and kind of knows what he is. So the spectrum on guys like Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy is a massive wild card because we know he has the physical tools, but also he did, he was so limited in what he did at Michigan. Like, but he also just won a national title. So do you take the pedigree of a guy who can win you a national title and play in big games? Like, uh, which again, if if Michael Penix and Washington won the national championship game, we're probably talking about like that being flipped, where like some teams oh. are like, yeah, no, I wouldn't draft, or like, maybe a late round flyer on JJ McCarthy, and more yeah. teams would be interested on and Michael Penix. But I I'm very curious because it's not just that, but we also have like arguably at least projections wise, this could be the best wide receiver class uh, class of all time. Um, and in terms of just projections, like if you're talking about draft oh, grades, yeah. Marvin Harrison at the top there. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's, it's a loaded, loaded wide receiver class. Dude, I'm stoked um, for the, uh, well, I was stoked for the draft. Now I don't care anymore. Um, the draft's going to be awesome. It is. It's, well, uh, it's, it, it doesn't is. matter. Just like the rest of sports. Um, no, your I'm, sucks I'm, back in. The second the thought yeah. popped into your head that Bill Belichick could be the defensive coordinator, you were all the way back in. I got all the chunk. way. I did. <laughs> um, Not easy. Dude, I look, I I think the draft's gonna be nuts. I, I really do. Yeah. Um I, I'm really interested to see because like and again, like talk about J- a guy like Jaden Danos, like they don't just give the Heisman to a team that didn't do anything super relevant. Like look at Lamar Jackson. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. It's that like team the had last three time, losses. The last time a Heisman winner went nine and three or had three losses was Lamar Jackson. Right. And Lamar Jackson fell to 32 in that draft. And every single team who is looking at a quarterback is going to be thinking about that throughout this yeah. whole process and thinking about can Jaden Daniels be Lamar Jackson, you know, or at least something similar to it. And I'll say this, Jaden Daniels is a much better thrower kind of the better too. than yeah, Lamar exactly. ever was in college, but he's also, nobody is the runner that Lamar Jackson is, right? He's an, Jaden Daniels is an incredible athlete, but he's nowhere close to the runner, like I test wise, and the stuff that Lamar can do, the start and stop stuff. He's not that, you know. Lamar Jackson's if is if like Lashawn McCoy could also play quarterback. Yeah, you know? I mean, but like Jaden Daniels', Daniels next size is probably like like sixteen and a half, seventeen and a half, maybe. 
uh, Lamar's just like 44. Like, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, though. I I, I think Jaden Daniels is going to be a stud. I already know I'm going to fall in love with Jaden Daniels yeah. by the time the draft comes out. But, but at the same time, that you mentioned it, why not? I'm not moving off of Caleb Williams. I, th- there will not be a single time in this in this whole draft process right now really? that I move off of Caleb I mean, Williams. You saw him in high school, man. Gonzaga prep. Yeah. I watched him live as a high school kid. I just, there's the upside of Caleb Williams is so high. And when you know that no matter who you draft in the first round, it's going to be a crapshoot. And like that dude, say what you will, that dude fucking cares about football. He does. You know, people are going to bring up the commercials and the transfer and all this stuff. And they're going to go, he cried after a game because he fucking gives a shit. He's got a high give a shit factor and he's been playing in under a bright spotlight. Like that's the thing. Mahomes never in college. Mahomes is not playing under a massive spotlight the way that Caleb Williams was. Caleb Williams is fucking special, dude. Like, and whether or not he becomes what he can become is ultimately dependent on where he goes and, and what he does from there. But there is not going to be a single thing that changes my mind. But if we're going to be talking about who could end up having the best career out of this group, that it's not going to be an automatic. It's going to be Caleb Williams. You know, it, it, there's so many interesting questions. All I know is if I had the second overall pick, I would very, very strongly consider Jaden Daniels because I think he's a, I think he's a game changing type of talent. But we're going to have so much time, so much time to break all this down over the next few months. Um, I wish we I are. We are going to take a quick break for the next week, at least. Um, and then we'll probably come back after that. We'll hit some NBA stuff. We'll start to make our transition to our post-NFL era. But we are going to take a week off. Um, we haven't taken a week off since June, I think. June, maybe July um, was the last time uh, that we took a, a proper week off from the podcast. So uh, we're going to take a little mini vacation from the pod. But we will be back in a couple weeks. So hang with us. Um and in the meantime, enjoy everything. Thank you guys for, again, I said at the end of last podcast, but it, it bears repeating. Thank you guys for hanging with us and spend making us a part of your, you know, your daily routine or bi-weekly routine. Um, it really is so cool to be a part of y'all's lives and to have you guys listening and enjoying. We record this not knowing who's listening to it, how much they listen to, what it is. So just knowing um, that people are out there listening is big. Um, you know, my... My job, SiriusXM, just went through another round of layoffs, and it has it has messed my job up. I'm still employed, luckily, um, but it in the wake of that, I've been flooded with messages and and thousands of people on social media reaching out, and it's it's been an incredibly overwhelming. And it's a good reminder that even on something as big as what I do for them, uh, or something like we do here, that that stuff really resonates and means a lot. So um, finishing up this football season has been amazing. Uh, and I know it wasn't the ending you wanted, Scotty, but what a difference a podcast makes, right? Because from the start of this pod to now, you're already, I can see the gears are turning. You're ready. It's, it's going to take a little, it'll take some time. Only if, only if we get Belichick. Nah, you're going to be all hey, the way all back. I heard and I can't wait a for it. Hope. A little bit of hope. <laughs> and that hope will grow. Water it. Water the hope. Yeah. All right. So the, the boys. So that kills you too, bud. <laughs> Scotty and Vito. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for hanging with us all football season. We'll be back in a couple weeks with more content on the read option. We love you guys. And until we talk again, take it easy, everybody.